KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Meetings will be held at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, unless otherwise noted. The Community Advisory Board will meet Tuesday, August 27th at 6 p.m. This is KVOO Portland. The time is 9.59. Coming up next, it's a Heather McCoy show. At 11, Between the Covers host Jake Ramos speaks with Michelle Penaloza about her collection of poems, former possessions of the Spanish Empire. And at 11.30, it's words and pictures. SW Concert speaks with Gary and Ann Lundgren of Ashland, who have produced an independent feature entitled Phoenix, Oregon, a comedic look at midlife struggles in the rural Northwest. Don't forget that you can hear all of these programs after they air on KBOO.FM or on iTunes and Google Play. KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to KBOO.FM or use our mobile app and click on Donate. KB Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Bonds Over Borders on Tuesday, August 27th at 6 p.m. at The Cleaners at Ace Hotel in Portland. Bonds Over Borders is a benefit for Innovation Law Lab, a Portland-based organization that works to increase legal access for immigrants at detention centers both locally and around the country. There will be live stand-up sets from Adam Passy and Dan Weber and live music by Pedro Queriega. Again, that's Bonds Over Borders on Tuesday, August 27th at 6 p.m. at The Cleaners at Ace Hotel, 403 Southwest 10th Avenue in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. We are live. We are so live this uh, this uh, Thursday morning. Joining me today is you, the callers. You can dial 503-231-8187 to get on the air. Uh, the general topic is uh, labor. Since Labor Day, uh, the holiday is coming up right around the corner. Um, on uh, August... Second, uh, 2019 of this year, former guest of the show, Dead Spinzler Wagner, published an in-depth article about what's it like to work in with uh, within the media group now known as GeoMedia. Um, GeoMedia is a former Gawker.com. Uh, they own a series of websites, including Jezebel, Jalopnik, Deadspin, and Gizmodo, to name a few. Um, private A private equity group called Grant Hill Partners took charge of the series of websites after Univision sold what was then the Gizmodo Media Group off due to their numerous financial issues. Uh, Grant Hill Partners is headed by Jim Spinfeller, who uh, has had media stints at Forbes and Playboy.com and has hired he in his role um, as basically owner of uh, GO. He's 
hired his cronies within the sweet, sweet positions of business operations, people who have worked with them in previous job titles while not advertising those positions uh, that the jobs are indeed open, skipping over over women and other in-house candidates who would have liked to interview for these positions. A crappy workplace environment is not breaking news within Donald Trump's America, but Laura Wagner was able to publish a piece due to the fact that the staff negotiated the right to pu- the right to have published pieces on themselves as a defined right of the job. Um, my paying job is a house of horrors. Yours is likely as well. My question is, uh, is as unequal and low-paying jobs become more common these days, what will it take to like stick kickstart the union movement again the number again is 503-231-8187 if you would like to join me on this show and just for the fun question of the of the morning and i will ask callers this and you don't have to answer it because i realize that the number of people that follow indycar is very low at this point but there is a grand prix of oregon going or portland coming up who is the worst indycar driver of all time there's there's definitely people that can make the list and i want to hear your list as well so that's the more the fun thing and then if the if those topics don't interest you you can call about whatever uh 503-231-8187 um according to the bureau of labor statistics the public sector uh, workers are unionized at roughly 30 percent of that workforce which is five times higher than the public sector workers, which is at 6.4%. Um, the Bureau finds also that among full-time wage and salary workers, union members had a median income uh, uh, earnings of about uh, 1,051 in 2018, while non-union members had a weekly median income of 860. So that's clearly a quite quite a large jump and it it also out jumps the amount of union dues that you pay um the number again 503-231-8187 is the number to get on board and talk about this um uh the um one of the things about like this particular moment is we all know that um no one is making a lot of money at the moment and then if you are making a decent amount of money uh, like my friends uh, were, they were uh, one of them was a teacher, and then the other one was a coworker, and they lived in a very dangerous part of Vancouver, Washington, because that was the only thing left in the, their uh, particular housing budget. And they, and then uh, the teacher made roughly a hundred thousand dollars a year, but the fact that student loans have eaten up so much of her. Uh, salary made it so that like she has a big salary but the student loans are the negligible factor in my own life I keep putting off my student loans uh, Great Lakes funding or whatever they emailed me this morning hey your payments due and I'm like hey I've got no money um, so that's going to be a fun little thing and that's one of the reasons why I've missed the show in the last two weeks is I have a lot of bad things happening at me, me all at once and I just couldn't face the like music and actually get out of bed and do my show for the last two weeks. And so um, the job takes a lot out of me, my current paying job. And so there's and it, we just need to rest and recuperate and prepare for the next five days. 
And I want to know what your working environment's like. The number, again, is 503-231-8187. We are taking your calls. Um, and, like, uh, I don't know if the solution is um, what Johan Curry talks about in his book, Lost Connections, where we have collective ownership of businesses, where everyone... Uh, no one's the boss, and everyone does the on, the, the non uh, glamorous parts of the job equally. Uh, I don't know if it's more trade union representative. Um, Bernie Sanders released a, a document earlier this morning, I believe, about like uh, out, an outline of basically a, a new workers' rights bill protection. Uh, but he's a presidential candidate, and as one of the last points of I ever mentioned on my previous station was um, presidential candidates are a lot like late night talk show hosts. You get a choice between Jay Leno and you get a, and David Letterman and they're going to be very bland and they're going to be in the boss's pocket and your choice in the choice between them is which one do you think that will listen to an organized constituency from the grassroots more? Uh, and that's the, the major choice that you have. Um, and so, like, uh, it's up to us to get out of our own plight. So even if, um, you know, Grandpa Joe Biden wins the whole thing, which I don't see how that's possible, uh, it's still up to us to actually get off our duffs and actually try to make change happen. Um, my particular skill set, I'm really good at communicating uh, through the airwaves and so I do my little part what do you do to to help this happen the number is 503-231-8187 one of the aspects of the current paid position that I just don't understand is the fact that uh, you have people that were working there 40 hours a week and um, and then there's part-timers and everyone's scrounging around to try to make ends meet no one's really making it except for the boss 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 and I don't know how people show up to do every morning and just go to work and just go, oh, yeah, half my, the majority of my workforce, uh, they're, like, starving or they're in really awkward living situations or they're up to the ears in student debt. But, you know, time to get the job done. You know, I don't understand how, like, that doesn't enter into their idea or notion of, like, what their work environment is and how they just blaze right over it and then just pretend all of the bad stuff is not happening. It's like, that's one of the reasons why one of my worst, like one of the things I hate the most is the, um, that statement, uh, it, it is what it is. It's just like, it's like a, it's like the defining notion of like, oh, it's crappy, but I'm not gonna lift a finger to change anything, but here we go. Uh, and so that's one of my absolute annoyances. A number to join me to talk about workplace issues um, 503-231-8187. One of my favorite things, uh, anti-union talking points, one of my favorite one is how, like, the employer uh, wants a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you as the employee um, while ignoring the power dynamics of this one-on-one -on -one relationship. So here you have a multinational corporation saying, I want a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. And I don't want to negotiate with a third party, which a union would be. I don't want to deal with any of that. Um, and um, and then what they also fail to mention in that dynamic is if you work for a publicly traded company that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange, 
the primary responsibility for like um the that company is not to you or the customers or their suppliers or anybody their primary duty is to the shareholders so like i work for the shareholders i work for so that you know the the one percent or ten percent of our society that actually holds a significant amount of stock they i i i work for them so that they can like sip their martinis and go to the monaco grand prix that's what i do for a living um and so um how that isn't acknowledged within uh our discussion of of how workplace dynamics works is insane and no matter how well of a job you do no matter how many sales you make how many uh customers you went over like when you take the job you're slotted into what they call a pace schedule and no matter how well you do at the job they go eh, that's a defined job and it only pays this much and we'll give you 30 cent raises that don't even keep up with inflation the number is uh, 503-231-8187 uh, if you want to um get in on the conversation one of the reasons why we're taking your calls is like things didn't uh pan out as possible uh which is uh like i was uh trying to get uh michael hill sick on from the la times uh i've talked to him once before and uh i probably emailed him way too late in the week to do this but um he has a article out in the on the in the la times where he talks about how the business roundtable on monday put out a um basically they're trying to redefine the purpose of a corporation in an economy that serves all americans and the business roundtable if you're not familiar is along with milton friedman and ronald reagan um they're one of the groups that like basically is responsible for the hellscape known as the trump world that we live in now the neoliberal trump world where um, everyone doesn't make much money. Everyone, every, like, there's no, there's abundance of supply. There's the demand is only set by the fact that nobody can pay for anything, um, and so that's that's who the business roundtable is. And so they put out a statement, and then what's um, what's interesting about the statement is that um, Jamie Dimon, uh, who is the most fined CEO and regulatory fines of any CEO in the history of capitalism, including one for a billion dollars from the Federal Energy Regulation Commission because they were uh, Chase Bank was manipulating prices, energy prices in California, Michigan, Enron style. In the press release from the Business Roundtable, he, Jamie Dimon says, the American dream is live and well, but it's fraying. It's just like, you're the arsonist, Jamie Dimon. And like, so nobody knows how too much to take this like statement seriously, but it is an interesting statement. And, and a lot of people are wondering, is this like a push because um, the idea of socialism is definitely on the rise? Uh, it certainly could be. And again, the number to get on this conversation, 503-231-8187. This is the Heather McCoy show. Um, so the the statement and i'll just since uh i've got some time i'll I'll just read it if you haven't read it um the americans deserve an economy that allows each person to succeed through hard work and creativity and lead to a life of meaning and dignity uh that's a lot to unpack i don't know if that's possible under the world that we live in now 
we believe the free market system is the best means of generating good jobs, a strong, sustainable economy, innovation, a healthy environment, and economic opportunity for all. Um, I, do, they, do they know that the milquiladores in Mexico exist? Like, it, the, the cognitive dissonance behind the statement is already just mind-blowing. Um, you know, I'm wearing Nike leggings right now. Do they know the fact that, like, they're Nike still, and the fashion industry in general, still employs sweatshop workers? That was, like, a major issue in the late 90s. And then they're like, now, you know, that's the funny thing is everyone wants to give crap about Jay-Z making the NFL look cool. What about Colin Kaepernick? At one point, um, Nike was one of the most like bedeviled corporations on the left because they had workers in really crappy conditions. But now that we put the Colin Kaepernick stamp on it, everybody's hunky-dory with it. Um, and then, like, Jay-Z basically has Rock Nation, which is a promotion company, and this week he saw, signed a deal with the NFL that's going to provide them the Super Bowl uh, entertainment. And um, one, of the own, one of the coaches for the Dolphins is playing Jay-Z songs in practice, and then, well, uh, the Dolphins' Kenny Steals uh, basically protested the fact that the Dolphins owner, uh, Stephen Ross, was fundraising for Trump while having a charitable organization dedicated to stopping racism, which you can't support Trump and try to stop racism at the same time. We'll get back to the statement of the purpose of a corporation in a bit. Bo is online. Uh, welcome to the show, Bo. Yeah, hi, thank you. Yeah, well, what did you want to contribute? Well, I just wanted, you're talking about the employee-employer, you know, yeah, the employee-employee relationship, yes. Do we still have Bo? Bo? Yeah, I think so. I think we lost Bo for uh, some reason. That that definitely does happen. Um, so, yeah, that was... So we left off at a strong... Uh, sustainable economy, innovation, healthy environment, and economic opportunity for all. Uh, the I basically talked about healthy environment, economic opportunity for all, but the innovation mostly comes from the UCs or the, the like the the universities, and then like the innovate the innovation is actually privatized from public hands, and uh, so like innovation is not happening at the corporate level hardly at all. Uh, going on. The statement says, and we're taking your calls, by the way, Bo, uh, we want you to call back. Uh, we lost you somehow. 503-231-8187. Businesses play a vital role in the economy for, uh, for by creating jobs, fostering innovation, providing essentials, goods, and services. Business makes, uh, makes and sells customer products, re manufacture equipment, vehicles, support national defense, grow and produce food, provide health care, generate and deliver energy, <laughs> which Jamie Dimon manipulated, offer financial, uh, finan other financial communications and other services that underpin economic uh, growth. I hear Bo is back, so we're going to go back to Bo. Uh, and you, we were talking about the employee-employer relationship. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, just let you know that I'm I'm one of the pro Bernie and the whole thing and I'm and I grew up in Denmark. So I mm -hmm. understand his version of what he it should be here in America. But I I think you're oversimplifying the worker worky 
kind of thing because uh, I mean, I'm self-employed, blah, blah, blah. And I just think that you're not going to make America, Sweden or Denmark, you know, in 100 years. And I think somewhere we have to take little baby steps. Does that make any sense? Oh, that makes total sense. But at the same yeah. time, at the baby steps, like people are still hurting. Um, sure. No, no. Yeah. And, and I, I told you, but I just think sometimes, you know, you come up against the wall. And if I was to change your mind on some subject, it would be very difficult. So it's all difficult to change. Right? What would you like to change my mind on? Well, no, let, let's say, I mean, let's say that you were talking about the, it'd be great if all the employees, you know, and there was no bosses and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Sure. Totally unrealistic. I mean, it, it, human nature doesn't work that way. I can tell you from from when I worked in Denmark and they were much more uh, socialistic, so to speak. They found out that it doesn't work when everything is free or something, and so they start putting little attachments of fees to things. Uh -huh. So somewhere along the line, people just don't manage themselves that well. You know, kind of a thing where. I think you, you always kind of have a boss. The boss should treat you respectfully and all these other things. But somewhere, that fantasy that we're all going to have the same wage, the same power and all things like that, it just won't work. Well, like that was one of my favorite parts in the book when I interviewed Johan Curry was the fact that he sure. brought up a bicycle shop in, in Baltimore, I believe, where... Uh, basically, all the bike workers had experience working for a top-down system, and they're like, "Why don't we create our own bike shop where we're the boss?" Uh, and it's quite sure. worked quite well so far. So, in the small scale, uh, I do see collectives working. In the larger scale, yeah, it's a uh, like things in this economy are large scale, and how do you how do you make a collective scalable? That's a million-dollar yeah. question. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's good to strive for these things, but I do think sometimes one jumps way, way ahead. It's like, for example, let's say pick on Bernie again. If Bernie would pick, you know, health care instead of being Sweden tomorrow, he would have a lot uh, better chance of changing health care, which we should. But, but when, he wants to, when he wants to give, forgive loans, it's like I go out and get a loan for a house. Why should somebody forgive my loan? But there's no incremental fix to health care, though. Like, it, the system is so far broken at this point, uh, Medicare for All is literally the only thing that will make it sure. accessible for everybody. Um, sure, there, there's, like, I think the Swiss have, a like, a highly regulated private market, uh, sure. but then, like, we have, you know, we have Citizens United, and, like, they, you know, in three years, the healthcare interest can drive a brick through whatever health law that we, we create. So I think the the only way is to abolish the private health care system. Sure. No, and, and I, I'm all, I'd be the first one to say that. But my point is, is that uh, when people start saying we want to do five things, it's impossible. You know, and I know, and everybody knows, to change our health care system is almost unbelievably difficult. So somewhere we have to stop picking on 10 things or five things and focus on one thing because we're still America. It's a different creature than Switzerland, than Holland, sure, than Denmark. But... It, it's absolutely different, and I think we can't we can't uh, expect uh, people to have guns and people are anti this uh, anti socialistic things to t turn on a dime. Okay, I mean, and somewhere uh, we just have to give it a little bit of time and take little bites and not be unrealistic. Because when you start becoming unrealistic. The other side just, they win.
Yeah, so but I would say, I, of course, this isn't quite in modern times, but I think the Roosevelt administration took a pretty big chunk pretty fast. Oh, sure. But also when you have depression, you have unbelievable things, then the people will give the the, the, the powers to be power, right? That's the only time that uh, the president has powers when the people give it to him, basically. So when you're starving or don't have a job, you're willing to listen to anybody kind of a thing, right? So you think, you're saying that Roosevelt was like a despot that just took power because people were desperate? I think it was more complicated than that. I think there's labor unions. I think there's a lot of activism around the Roosevelt. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure, but I do think that it has to get really, really bad. And, and my point is just that, let's say, let's say like health care. I, tomorrow, I, I, everybody would benefit if we did single care or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Uh, but there is, you know, this incredibly powerful people running this country. And I think somewhere along the line, okay, you're not going to just turn the system upside down and, and just think of Obamacare. I mean, that was just a tiny, tiny thing. And look at that backlash that got, right? Yeah. So somewhere we have to be smart about it because the other side just eats it up every time the crazies go all left. Or I mean, I'm not saying they are crazy, but that's how they're perceived. Well, one of know. the things that helped the backlash was the fact that um, usually liberal people don't vote in uh, off year uh, elections. So in 2010, that's when the Tea Party happened. Everybody that voted for Obama stayed home, and then we got left with the, the that whole deal. So it, a lot yeah. of it is just like showing up. I mean, like, I vote. It's not like I think my vote's going to do much, especially if you live in a state where it's not a swing state. Uh, but sure. at the same time, you have to show up for yourself. And then, and sure, the Americans sure. didn't show up for themselves and at all in 2010, and that's how we got the Tea Party. Sure, but, but you know too. See, I'm like you. I, I mean, I don't really believe your vote matters. It's like I think it was a few years ago that that Salem they wanted to give themselves a raise, all the the, the people down there, and uh, the people said no. So then a year later, they came back and gave themselves a raise behind closed doors. You know. So that's discouraging that when the people say something, then the politicians just go ahead and do it. And I, don't, I, don't, I think that the, the, the powerful people, let's say the healthcare industry, they are so powerful that um, I, I don't know if you can do anything. I mean, you can show up and vote and all that stuff, but I think that the corporations are going to beat you every time. And that's why I think you have to just take little bites and be really smart about it. They're not know, gonna. Kind of they're not gonna beat you every time. Like the like uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is an example of, of, of definitely not beating them every time. Uh, now this is a website that releases uh, videos, and they have Jennifer Lawrence in one that just was released this morning. And no matter how popular legislation is or how unpopular legislation is, it has about a thirty percent of passing. So uh, a lot of it's still going back to money in politics. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I just don't. I just don't think that no matter what you do, hardly, and especially if you do really radical, uh, you, you have to. You have to do a, a gentle way. I, I am radical thinking, but, but I realize in, in real life that how do you expect somebody on the other side to totally turn on their heels when we ourselves don't want to turn on our heels? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, one I, I, Before we let you go, Bo, I sure. have one last question for you. Uh, it was revealed that in private, the Trump administration says, yeah, yeah, we may have an economic downturn in 2020. Um, so, like, in, among people in my generation, we're all broke. 
and so we are already in a depression that's lasted almost 10 years. It's like uh, Japan's last decade, but no one in America wants to acknowledge it uh, after their inflation collapse in the sure. 90s. Uh, and so, like, you know, if the t- if the tips if if it tips the scale, uh, why not? Why I mean, like, at, at this point, like, if you if you like, I don't think the key is Bernie Sanders getting elected. I think the key is everyone actually doing something. Like uh, Puerto Rico, they got out in the streets and that guy was gone. I, I don't sure. I don't know the full story because it's just there's too yeah. many things to follow. But it it's yeah. our Netflix binging lazy butts that keep the, this system sure. in power. Well, and that's like you said, let's say you're broke, right? And, and being self-employed, you know, you can't go sell yourself every day. And I always questions like, so why are so many people broke? Okay. I mean, somewhere along the line, I was just in Africa a year ago, and I look at Africa and America. And if you compare Africa, any country over there compared to America, the opportunities here are unbelievable. Okay. And so I think somewhere we've also gotten very lazy feeling sorry for ourselves too I oh mean, come that on part of me... I, I i work 40 hours a week nobody that yeah, works but, 40 but, hours a but, week should no. have to worry about food come on no but but you also have to say what do you do you also because we're america we have to say we have to think for ourselves yeah there is no there is nobody to catch us sure. right so when we are 18 when we're 20 when we're 22 each time we're gonna say okay are we gonna have kids or we're not gonna have kids am i gonna get a better job or i'm gonna stay in the same job somewhere where you have to worry about yourself, correct? Yes, and, and, I, and that, I have zero kids. And that's why I think Americans are very bad at, okay? Because the way we have our system, we're not Denmark, Sweden, Germany. So being we're not bad, we have to think ahead, and most people don't think ahead. Sure. You know that. I mean, okay. And I think that's we can't keep blaming everybody else for our problems. You know, I mean, sometimes... I mean, to a certain to, extent, that's true, but then there's things that are bigger than oneself. Would you not agree? I, I, you know, I, I look at it that, let's say, uh, let's say you get married, you have kids, all that stuff, right? I'm so con- fiscally conservative that it's not even funny. That to okay. me, uh, I think you have to think when you get pregnant. You have to think when you get married. You have yeah, to absolutely. Think when you get a job. And I, I think that uh, because we're in America, Americans have just gotten dumb on that part. They okay. have to think, okay, I can't start having a family if I don't have any money. If I work at a... At a, for minimum wage, I can't have babies. Yeah. End of story. And, and, I, and I, I don't have kids. Uh, one last thing. Uh, do you have a worst indie car driver of all time? No, I don't. You I don't. don't. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a car person. Oh, I, okay. I'm totally. I'm. I'm terrible with cars. Okay. So, well, thank no. you for the call. And then we have the mic next. Hey, thank you, Kabu, for the fantastic uh, conversation. I hope he calls in more often. Yeah, my name's Heather. It's not Kabu, but yeah, go ahead. Heather, yeah, thank you for uh, Kabu and Heather. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, So what did you want to chime in? And also the the caller. It was great. I'm going to keep it short and simple. This is um, a way of thinking and a quick statement and a strategy to talk to people about the labor force and workforce and capitalist force. Um, it just sort of came out, and I've repeated it many times now, and it actually puts some of these people, if not on their heels, it makes them think. Um, I ask them in a conversation, in the middle of a conversation, what makes a strong union? Sure. What makes a strong union? And, of course, people start thinking about organization and all this, that, the other thing, and corruption and, and all this stuff, and 
and they get all caught up in uh, the rhetoric and propaganda. But the answer is very simple, and it seems to hit home with people. The answer is bad bosses. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the system kind of promotes bad bosses. I think um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, That's but, what I'm saying. So just keep that in mind. People don't want or choose to get all extra curricular and union. They do because they have to because they have bad bosses. So yeah. that's all I want to say, and I've had success. Can, can I ask you? Can I ask you one more question? Is you've you mentioned a very yeah. good point? Is what makes a strong union? I was part of the UFCW 324 grocery workers union in uh, mm -hmm. down south, uh, and we were in the middle of a strike in 2003, uh, and while we prevented some of the really bad things that Albertsons wanted to do, we still got our butts collectively kicked because the strike fund ran out, people lost houses and that kind of a thing. Oh, wow. um, I wanted to do some direct action and actually sit on the checkout stand so the scabs couldn't uh, actually do process any orders. The union rep's like, oh yeah. no, that's a little bit too far. So what, what makes a strong union at this point? That's a great question. That's a great question. And I hope more union members push for things like that because that'll at least uh, remind the leadership how important this stuff is and that it's not a game. So, all right. Thank you, Kabu. Thank you, Heather. Bye. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, Steven, you're on the line. You're on uh, the Heather McCoy show. Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? You tell me. Uh, you're, you're the one that made the effort to call. So, so this is being broadcast to the playa? To the playa, yeah, the like playa del Rey in Southern California, like like, like on the playa at Burning Man. Oh, at the Burning Man. So I'm I'm actually being heard in Burning Man. Are you? I don't know. That's <laughs> what you just stated. Well, I thought this was the number they gave me to call. Yeah, this is the number. You're live on the air right now. Wow, man! Like people are listening to me. <laughs> Yes, people are people are listening to you. Believe it or not. So, do you do you have any comments at all? Uh, no, just just saying hi. Just saying hi. Well, you know, at least you, uh, your radio was off and uh, your uh, seven second delay. I didn't hear myself in that. That that's that's usually a hallmark of callers that just want to talk and hear themselves. Um, so yeah, the number 503-231-8187 if you want to jump on board. The line is the lines are now clear uh and we're uh up for discussion. We're talking about uh basically conditions, like basically job conditions are getting close to Labor Day and I can see myself booking guests and and just waltzing right past the subject and I think that it shouldn't be that way. So it's a little bit early, but um you know um, it's a Horatio Alder-esque kind of statement, but the early bird does get their the worm. Um, so the we're gonna uh, so like I was basically uh, doing the statement purpose of a corporation. Um, I don't think I need to reread the first two paragraphs. It was all pretty standard kind of stuff. Um, is in the third paragraph reads while each of our individual companies serves its own corporate purpose. We share a fundamental commitment to all of our stakeholders. We commit to, and this is a bullet point list now, delivering values to our customers. We for, we will further tradition of America's leading the way in exceeding, meeting our exceeding customer expectations, uh, investing in our employees, 
this starts with compensating them fairly and providing important benefits. It also includes supporting them through training and education to develop new skills for a rapidly changing world. We foster diversity, inclusion, dignity, and respect. Which is funny because, like, the, the amount of people, the, the amount of employers that are taking advantage of the independent contractor rule, the 1099, um, a lot of, like, if you're Uber, they don't want you to be an employee. If, if you're, like, uh, TaskRabbit, you're not an employee. You're, you're just somebody that's using their app. Uh, they don't have anything to do with you. Um, the next bullet point is feeling daily, fairly and clearly, ethically with our suppliers. We are dedicated to serving good partners to other companies, large and small, that have, help them meet our missions. Which I don't know what this is doing in here. Maybe it's a stab at Donald Trump who doesn't pay his vendors, but I don't know. Uh, supporting communities which we work, we respect the people in our communities to protect the environment by em embracing sustainable practices through our businesses. Uh, generating long-term value for shareholders who provide capital to, that allows companies to invest, grow, and innovate. We are committed to the transparency and effective engagement with shareholders. So anyways, yeah, the shareholders were last in the statement and everyone is uh, making a big deal out of it. CNBC took a whole like two or three hours the other day on Monday to go, why didn't General Motors or why didn't General Electric sign this? It was kind of strange. Fanny is back. Uh, welcome to the Heather McCoy Show, Fanny. Hi, it's actually Franny. Franny, I'm sorry. That's okay, everybody does that. I'm just, I'm used to it. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment that, um, you know, there was a caller a couple of callers ago, and he was, he grew up in Denmark. I forget his name. Bo. Bo. It yeah. was Bo. Yeah, our friend Bo. Bo. And he, yeah, and he just sounds like a really smart man, but, um, you know, he kept saying, well, you know, unless we're at a crisis, I mean... The entire world is at a crisis point now, not just with um, in regards to the environment, which is central to everything, but with regard to the economy and fascism and racism. And so we, we are at that crisis point. So I'm kind of I'd be curious to know. I mean, he's off the air, but I'd be curious to know what he thought, you know, uh, of of me saying that, because I it is I mean, we're kind of a bit past the tipping point on a lot of these issues. So I think that we just, we can't really take small steps. That's also something, you know, that they told, um, you know, the civil rights leaders in the 60s, like, oh, you know, it will happen, just not now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and Yeah, I, you hit the uh, button of some sort, but you're still on. Hello? Yeah, you're here. You're on KVU Live. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, you bring up a good point, and that's something that he was going pretty fast, and I was only able to take point by point, but we are at a crisis point right now. Uh, in 2008, President Obama ran on a whole platform of, oh, hey, we're going to close Guantanamo. Now we have a whole new group of concentration camp people that uh, that we've rounded up. Um, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. just... And we can't, like, we can't seem to make effective change in this country. The government doesn't seem to be listening to us. Um, I believe yeah. in hardcore reparations to anyone involved with Guantanamo, anyone that's involved with the border, uh, like yeah. being locked up in a cage. Uh, our government is doing a wrong, and they need to be compensated for what they, they have done in their lives. Uh, torture, uh, I think it's actually torture in both cases. Yeah. 
And I agree. are you, so what do you do for work? Don't say your employer's name, but like, is, what's the office <laughs> dynamic? Like, is, are you, are you having struggling or to survive or how are you doing? Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I left corporate America a couple of years ago and I'm really glad that I did. Um, and now I'm just, I'm doing different things. I'm a writer primarily, but I'm also producing a podcast. Cool. I won't say the name of it, but my, my boss is great. <laughs> um, you know, I'm much, much uh, personally happier um, subsisting on less and, um, you know, working for myself, basically. Um, you know, I just, I find the corporate setting to be really demoralizing, especially as a woman. And you're always told, I mean, talk, you know, talk about, oh, you'll get your day in the sun, you know, whatever. But, you know, as a woman, you don't, you don't. Um, yeah. still very very sexist and very male white male dominated um you know in, in the different fields that i've been in which is a few but i've never worked for a company where women were really represented or people of color were represented in the leadership so same here you know yeah yeah and that's enough you know i so. can only think i had one manager who was a woman uh of african-american descent and uh, that was at Albertsons, and I that I that is the only person I can think of ever uh, it, with that minority status. Well, that's so, one more. That, that's one more than I've had in terms of yeah. So you mentioned that you're a freelance writer. Uh, I brought up this uh, conversation in regards to Geo Media mm -hmm. and like how crappy it is to be in media right now because you have a bunch of. Uh, investor bros and private equity swimming around and making it very hard to do journalistic work and then cutting the uh, pay of freelancers. How are you making a living on a freelance salary? Well, you know, <laughs> not very well, but I'm, I pick, I'm kind of in a position where I can more or less pick and choose who, uh, who I will write for. Um, that's good. And edit for. So, you know, that's been good. Um, but I've never been I'm not really a journalist, you know. Um, I have I have worked in journalism, but um, I found it wasn't really for me. Okay. Um, too little money for too much work, I think. Yeah. For well, reportage. <laughs> I'm kind of self-taught as far as journalism goes. Uh, I did want to take some journalism classes in college, but my um, my dean made it impossible to, for me to flip some things so I could take a couple as electives. And so I, I really wish I got some feature writing experience. Uh, but I am published yeah. as well. So oh, where does yeah. your where does your uh, work uh, appear? Just to give you a shout out before we go to the next caller. Um, well, OK, I'll just plug the podcast and I'm yeah. producing it. It's called Mouthy. Mouthy. And OK. Mouthy, and it's a food podcast where nothing is off the table, and it, <laughs> um, it has to do with, um, you know, not just food, but food systems and food equity, and looking at, you know, kind of the larger systems of how we produce our basic types of food, like meat and eggs and dairy and, you know, sort of everything, kind of, you know, fish looking at we just did a podcast it's going to come drop next friday and it's on sustainable seafood um we've had guests on who talked about csas and also um seed breeding and things like that um so it's really interesting i encourage listeners to look it up again it's mouthy it's on Stitcher. yeah and um it's we've got a persimmon in our logo it's really pretty that's cool um 
yeah, one of the things that like Bo Moore is mentioning uh, is that personal responsibility, yada yada yada. What would Horatio Alger do? Um, like one of the things that we studied in city planning was food deserts. And you, yeah. I mean, do you talk about that in your podcast as well, or? Um, um, yes, but not. Um, direct, we haven't had a uh, topic on that. Sure. Um, we just launched a couple months ago, so I cool. think we're, we're on our tenth episode. That's so. awesome. Yeah, like so, yeah. so. I mean, like things like food deserts. That's a systematic planning failure on multiple levels, and it's that goes beyond the individual's capacity to change their life. If they're if the only fresh food is like ten miles away. And you have to go like nine different buses to get there. That's that's not yeah. that's on society. That's not on you. No, I know, and that's all part of our. That's all part of the Maldi conversation as well, because it's about access and yeah, you know, about access and equity. And so, you know, if the only access you have is a you know little supermarket, um, you know, two miles from your neighborhood because you live in a food desert and you took the bus there, you're probably not going to find the kinds of foods that are actually going to sustain you personally but you'll find more poison food yeah i mean that's the other thing that's not talked about a lot in mainstream media is how the growth of dollar tree in a 99 cent store that's where people are eating that's i mean it's pretty bad well thanks for your call uh do you have a like least like the worst indy car driver of all time or do you follow racing uh, i don't well i i don't follow racing yeah so Uh, okay just make up a name. Make up a game. I'll I'll put one down for you. I'll I'll do I'll do uh um Mika Milka Duna. Um, she was a product of nepotism. Uh, she's Venezuelan, so Sitco sponsored her. Uh, she couldn't yeah. drive an Indy car. <laughs> she was bad. Yeah. Well, uh, well uh, <laughs> thanks for the call, and we're gonna go to Dan, who's on the on the next line. Uh, great show. Um, I just kind of wanted to answer the previous caller's question about, you know, the, 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 the action and how people perceive action and, and maybe the older gentleman who, who had the call previous that she was requ- requesting an answer to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what people, people, you know, I, I used to be a utopian and the fact is people think that people want to do good in this world, but if I can suggest a book, The Lucifer Principle by Howard Bloom, which talks about literally the people in our groups of humanity that don't want it that way, and they get to the power structure, and you think that they, they have this, you would believe they would have a utopian feel, just like the one you feel, compassion for animals, compassion for people, but they have a different view, and we have to live with them, and here you are, here we are trying to kind of understand, well, why not? Why not? Why won't we take action? Why won't we do this? And I think it's, it's really answered in that book, The Lucifer Principle. Please please look at it. He's a great, great doctor. Um, but also, in regards to cause of action, and I'll end it here in 30 seconds. Oh, uh, I'll, I just had a question, but go ahead. Um, you know, you want to take action. Uh, one of the actions is, like, Citizens United was a really big, heavy blow for anybody that understood the, the, the humanity and politics. But, you know, just getting um, a lake named as a uh, status of the human rights was huge. And I think that was just passed maybe a year ago where I heard that. And that was a small step, but I'm like, well, take action, multiply it by 10 right away. You shut up all lakes having the same thing as Citizens United laws. You know, they're, they're able to have the same rights to having clean, 
preserved air, water, whatever. Okay, and I'll yeah. end it on that. Or uh, if you have that question. Yeah, I have a question for you. You were talking about you used to be a utopian. Um, I wasn't around in the 60s, but when I read histories about that time period, it seems like the reason why Star Trek captured the imagination of the public was it was about a utopian society who was exploring places where humanity has never gone before. And then you had utopian visions. Uh, Le Bustier uh, was a really bad urban planner, but at least he had a vision of the future. Uh, it doesn't seem like, it seems like we're kind of on this nihilist past where, you know, things are just crumbling and, and you know, expletive it, in other words. Well, touche on that, and, you know, I, I agree. I agree, but when you're going against nature and, you know, the choice of having kids to see that, you know, the last whale die or the last gorilla die, it isn't man versus man. It re really is nature's decision on, on this next path, and I, I don't know, if, you know, what we can do. And I, it, it, it gets to that point where, you're like, the despair moment, is right at the 11th hour and i'll just you know i gotta gotta get off the phone yeah yeah i appreciate the show and yeah to say on on humans versus humans i mean there's always a time not to have kids not time to be ha happy but there is a doomsday cycle kind of passing by and when people treat each other in the workforce as temp agencies because they don't want to pay for your well-being america destroyed its workforce um and, and opioid uh, took advantage of that. If everyone was being paid $15 an hour, they wouldn't be taking Oxycontin to get high. They'd be going to Disneyland with their kids and having a dog and a white picket fence to have a house, and they would live up to that potential. But America took that and took it away from them, and they gave them drugs, and that's why, you know, it, it, gets, it gets messy. It does get messy, and you bring up a great point with the opioid. Thank you for the call, Dan. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, the number five three. Oh, God, my dyslexia got me again. Five zero three two three one eighty one eighty seven. Uh, we're taking your calls about uh, labor specifically since Labor Day is just around the corner, and I'm the one to book guests up the yin yang, and I totally forget about things that are actually happening in uh, real time. So yeah, the the um. Business Roundtable came up with a, a list, a, a thing, and to promote an equitable economy, whether or not, you know, you can make a policy statement. Uh, cities do this all the time as a planner. You can make a special district, uh, but unless you have implementation measures to make that special district happen, it's just on pen and paper. So we are going to see whether or not the Business Roundtable is actually going to, because they have power. I mean, they have tremendous power. They helped advance the Reagan revolution. They, they've argued against lower, you know, bars for labor as far as pay and protection and other things like that. Um, they have lobbying power. If they really want uh, an equitable society, they can lobby for it. Um, and so we'll... S and they have the money to actually put things um, in, into place. So whether or not that happens, anyone's guess. Uh, if they're actually going to put um, the actionable items on that. Uh, yeah, so um, I just wanted to get your opinions on this. 503-231-8187. Uh, workplace, uh, basically, labor issues we're talking about. Uh, I mentioned earlier, and I still don't know how that's it's possible. But I, I so um, 
One thing in retail world that you just kind of accept is the fact that your district manager is a psycho. Um, I've only had one that wasn't. And so I don't know how you can just like walk into a store and like know everyone is having financial difficulties up the yin yang and that how that doesn't like you want to like enact change to try to fix that in its own way. But maybe at that level, they're powerless as well. Uh, Chris is on hold. Uh, you're on KBU. Yes, hello. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Um, I'm a union member. I won't say what union, but yeah. um, we have been getting a lot of uh, pamphlets in the mail about um, someone trying to come to Oregon or some organization coming to Oregon trying to uh, change the union apprenticeship laws to make it easier for non-union apprentices. Yeah. And I was wondering, do you guys happen to know anything? Or have you heard anything about that? Or ways maybe I could get involved in that? I have not heard anything about that, but that does not surprise me. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was a Daily Show correspondent. And he had a show recently on Netflix where he outlined all the challenges to public transportation. And right. uh, Americans for Prosperity, which is funded by the Koch brothers, uh, it, they made Wisconsin a test ground state, and then they turned a state that was relatively blue into a hellscape, which is red. And Milwaukee is one of the most segregated cities in America uh, right. because of that. So if they're going to take on new states like Oregon, that would not surprise me. And I'll definitely follow up on that because that would be a really good topic all on its own. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to hear something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you do that's union? Just uh, occupational, uh, like your job? Uh, I'm a construction worker. Oh, okay. Have we, so yeah. I, w I have this question for you because uh, I was a printer at one time, and my mm -hmm. boss was a uh, an old anarchist from the 70s. He would he was a um, a squatter, and like he he was kind of running in the same punk rock circles as Crass. Uh, oh, wow. And so, like, he, he was a trade unionist at one point, and he was saying that I forgot what level I got to at, uh, I'll just say at Office Depot, but I got really good at printing. Right. But the fact that technology has made it easier to print and the fact that you have economies of scale depressing wages made it so that I wasn't compensated like the old English guild system. Are you finding that within your work? Um. Well, what I do is really hard for technology to dip into. Sure. Uh, to, to get a grasp um, in the type of trade that I do. So I feel kind of lucky about that. But, yeah, there, I always see, like, new um, ideas coming from management about let's try this to make it more efficient, which is, you know, I mean, it's good to make your work as efficient as possible, but you also take away jobs doing that. Yeah. Work smart. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the call. Do you have a Do you have a worse indie car driver uh, for the Grand Prix of Portland that uh, it can be active or in the past? Uh, I do not. Okay. <laughs> now we know why the Indy 500 has really bad ratings now. Uh, Tim is up next. You're on the Heather McCoy show. Uh, Heather, I I don't have a name actually. I tried to call the library. And they couldn't find it, but I can tell you about it. Okay. This, this guy raced in the early 50s, well, actually during the 50s, maybe even the early 60s. And the only reason is because he was like a millionaire and he owned a string of grocery stores. Oh, yeah, th those, those types. Yeah, and, but he was terrible. 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like, he never even. I don't think he ever even finished in the top ten or fifteen. Yeah. Well, Formula One has a driver named Lance Stroll, whose dad bought uh, Force India when um, the person that owned that uh, was in, involved with financial shenanigans and had to sell the team. So Lance Stroll can't even get out of Q3, but he still has a ride. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's pretty bad. But I mean, it's always sort of been that way. With yeah, you know, yeah. There's it, an it, element to that. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe you could find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like someone on my list as well, Buddy Lazier. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, he was bad. He won the Indy 500 when all the real drivers were in Michigan in 1996. He was horrible. Well, uh, I wasn't following it. I, you know, oh, okay. I wasn't following it. So, but I have heard the name. You know. The name yeah. Was, yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> and what do you think about Marco Andretti? He he. He, there's no nepotism well, there at like all. he's like the grandson of Mario. Yeah, he sucks too. <laughs> yeah, but see, he's got that name. He's got the name. Yep, definitely you has know, a name. What, but didn't um, Al Unser Jr., didn't he have a kid that raced? I don't know. Al Unser Jr. is legit, though. Oh, yeah, he was really good. There was talks of him going to Formula One, so much so that the Nintendo game bearing his name, it was a Formula One-based game. Well, it wasn't an IndyCar. The thing of it is, it's like IndyCar was sort of like the minor leagues for Formula One. Yeah. But none of the American drivers that went there ever did very much, except Ooh. for this one Colombian guy. Oh, well, Juan Pablo Montoya. Yeah, he went there. He did all right, you know, but he was... Juan, Juan Pablo Montoya was on a Williams team that was starting to sink. I think he could have done a lot better if he was on McLaren. Right, yeah. right. But I think he went to, like, stock car racing. He did, and he kind of stunk there. Well, so <laughs> he won the road I don't races. I what but... it was, but it's like a, there's only been two Americans that have been Formula One champion. Phil One H was Phil Hill in 1961. Yeah, Phil and, Hill. And, Mar and Mario Andretti in 1978, yeah. and that's it. Yep, that's it. Omar, okay, uh, we got to get going. Omar, you're next on uh, the Heather McCoy Show, real briefly. You're in the uh, air. Hello. Yeah. Okay, yes. I'm a democratic socialist, and I support, uh, I've supported... Uh, you, you've got 30 Bernie. seconds. Yeah. And I was, uh, up, and I was also a CIU member and a steward, with the Democrats, uh, SEIU endorsing Hillary instead of uh, uh, Bernie, and that is like uh, it's like the teamsters endorsing the Ronald Reagan in 1980. Yeah, no, the, the Reagan Democrats are definitely a thing, and I don't understand them at all. But uh, thanks for your call, Omar. That song means I got a scoot. This has been the Heather McCoy Show. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, thank you for all of your calls. That was a lot of fun. I was kind of nervous because I've never done a show completely without a safety net or I'm just taking your calls. Uh, my music show, Smoke Signals from the Speakeasy, is going to be on from 3 to 6 a.m. Saturday morning, so stay tuned for that. Uh, up next, I wrote it down and I totally don't remember where it went. Um, yeah, I think it's like book talk? Between the covers. I knew it. I knew it. And then words and pictures after that. It's one of those things where, like, you bubble... It, it's like a quiz, and you bubble in the wrong uh, thing on the Scantron, and then immediately after you see the Scantron, you're like, yeah, yeah, between the covers. I, I totally messed that up. 
Thanks for listening. This is The McCoy Show. This is KBOO Portland. The time is 10.59. Coming up at, uh, next, it's Between the Covers. Host Jake Vermas speaks with Michelle Penaloza about her collection of poems, Former Possessions of the Spanish Empire. And at 11.30, it's Words and Pictures. SW Concert speaks with Gary and Ann Lundgren of Ashland, who have produced an independent feature entitled Phoenix, Oregon, a comedic look at the midlife struggles in the rural Northwest. Don't forget that you can hear all of these programs after they air on KBOO.FM or on iTunes and Google Play. KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to KBOO.FM or use our mobile app and click on Donate. What might an artist near the end of a well-lived life tell us about the creative process and the personal qualities or values they think are important for living a good life? Hi, I'm Bob Madar, inviting you to come on over to Local Folks Podcast for our last visit with Mickey and listen to him talk about what he has learned after 96 years on the planet. You can find Local Folks at kboo.fm. Go to audio, list of programs, podcasts, web only, and click on Local Folks. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Bonds Over Borders on Tuesday, August 27th at 6 p.m. at the Cleaners at Ace Hotel in Portland. Bonds Over Borders is a benefit for Innovation Law Lab, a Portland-based organization that works to increase legal access for immigrants at detention centers, both locally and around the country. There will be live stand-up sets from Adam Passy and Dan Weber and live music by Pedro Queriega. Again, that's Bonds Over Borders on Tuesday, August 27th at 6 p.m. at the Cleaners at Ace Hotel, 403 Southwest 10th Avenue in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Good morning. You're listening to Between the Covers on KBOO Portland. I'm your host, Jake Vermoss. Today we're speaking with poet Michelle 